So I would say working with micro-influencers is better just because you can spread your bets, essentially, um, on the end. So I'd rather, you know, spend a thousand pounds a hundred times with different micro-influencers. That's Latana Ezeke, the founder of XPO, a UK startup that helped creators get paid for their work instantly. And he joins us here today on the Black Founders Podcast, hosted by Hoka, the house of Kurt Henderson. Hey, Latana, pleasure to have you on the show today. Thank you, thank you, thank you very much. Excited too. So we're going to be discussing your journey, your passions, and we're going to get stuck into some of the exciting challenges that we have for you. But I'll go into more detail just before we start each one. But first, tell us about yourself and XPO. Your startup. Hey, yeah, so I'm Latana. I founded a company called XPO. Uh, we essentially started off as a marketplace to brands and content creators. Uh, we recently pivoted to essentially provide invoice finance for uh, content creators on that end. So think of, you know, uh, invoice to create the economy. So, as an example, there could be a content creator working for Boohoo and you want to get paid £100 for three months. Uh, we go to the content mm-hmm. and enable them to receive 90 to 95% of that invoice uh, the very next day instead of them waiting. Wow, really cool. And how did you find that niche? Like, um, how did you discover that there was an existing problem in the market for, for XPO? Yeah, definitely. So at first we created a marketplace just to test out and see uh, what's there in the market. We already knew there was thousands of marketplaces out there, even though we rank on top of all of them so far in the UK. Um, it was just by actually having chats with our users every single week, um, asking them why did it with us. And we ended up finding out that the main thing was that we paid them quicker, not necessarily that we connected them to brands. So we just found out and then doubled down on that. Awesome. Wow. Fantastic. And um, so XPO is, is UK based, right? Um, with the influencers that you work with. Yeah. Is that correct? Okay. And you're working with brands. So from the B2B side, you're working with brands like uh, Nike and Experian. Yeah. Um, how have you found that relationship? It's been uh, pretty cool. Uh, very insightful um, on that end. Um, what's been great about that is that with the invoice solution um, that we're bringing up now, it's been much easier to the sales cycles and cut down a lot essentially to get uh, brands like these um, on board onto our invoice solution side. So we have this B2B play uh, with with uh, the bigger brands where essentially the same way Klarna offer alternative, the same way online shops offer Klarna as an alternative payment option um, at checkout, it's the same way these big brands to offer expert as an alternative payout option um, when they're working with uh, agencies or content creators. Okay. Okay. Wow. So it's been quite an exciting journey so far. And how long ago did you start XPO? Yeah. So we launched September 2019. Um, so about a year and a bit um, into it. Yeah. It's been a crazy journey. I was just doing some research before um, before we hopped on to onto the podcast, and there's some interesting things I found. Like, um, so I read this one, which I found online. And it said like 75% of potential consumers trust an opinion on social media regarding a product or service. And I thought to myself, this is crazy because, yeah. you know, we were so used to getting fed marketing campaigns through big brands opposed to individual peoples, apart from when those celebrities were featured in brand adverts. 
But now it seems like the world is moving more towards influencers are instilling us with that level of trust between um, the products which they are promoting um, and the brands which are selling those products. Um, what's your thoughts on that and how have you seen that change? Yeah, I think like influencing has always been a thing, right? I think it's just now more accessible to the common person. Um, essentially, and I think and that mix of social media then makes it go viral uh, through there. I think definitely influencers, content creators in general, um, to be honest, do um, well, when they promote products, they can you know increase sales for brands and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, but I think the key thing here, what we're moving towards, is niche content creators, because uh, what I find is that. Um, someone of, you know, 10K, 20K followers on that intends to have far higher engagement um, in terms of the audience that follow them and engage with their content and than people who are bigger, for example. So let's say like uh, Kim Kardashian on her end, her engagement is about, you know, one point something percent, which on engagement level is actually extremely poor. Um, but then you can have content creators of, you know, 10, 20, 30K followers. Yeah, saying so you think it's more the results or the market reach is better working with micro influencers than large influencers? Yeah, yeah. So I would say working with micro influencers is better just because you can spread your bets essentially um, on that end. So I'd rather, you know, spend a thousand pounds a hundred times with different micro influencers in yeah. different niches and cross pollinate their audiences than spend a hundred K on, you know, one, one Kim Kardashian. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah, because you don't know who of those followers, of those influencers are going to actually then convert into customers who are looking to potentially buy that product, which has been marketed. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I guess, yeah, the whole idea of spreading your bets amongst those, that set of influencers is a good test base to understanding what influencer yields uh, better conversions. Therefore, mm-hmm. you know, maybe work with more of those types of influences. Yeah. Super interesting. So, Latana, for your first challenge, you'll be exploring your multitasking skills. Um, and I'll be throwing a few questions at you I've prepared for you. Um, but you'll be playing T-Rex Runner at the same time. All right, cool. The longer you stay alive over a minute, the more points you get. There's three rounds with a maximum of 15 points. So yep. that's five points per round. So you ready to get started? <laughs> Never reckon. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. So what is the dynamic um, distribution of responsibilities in your team? And what advice would you give to those looking for co-founders? Um, currently, uh, at the moment, so I deal with the influence side of things in terms of reaching out to them. Um, Tommy is my co-founder. He does the brand side because he has more experience with that. In terms of yeah. finding co-founders, um, I think that what most people like to look for is a CTO. And they kind of forget that, you know, to get a CTO, they kind of sacrifice in five, seven years of their life. Um, so I think, okay. first of all, make sure that you guys can get a lot. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that was fantastic! You done thirty seconds. You made it through thirty seconds. That so, is terrible. So you actually get two points to that. And I was actually thinking, were you was... practicing this before? No, <laughs> not at all. 
Okay, now you're all warmed up um, after that. Are you ready for the second question? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, question number two. Mm. How does the app for influencers work? You may start. So on the influencer side of things, there's two ways it can work for them. So they can come in, uh, set their profiles essentially on that end and wait for brands to book them. The second way, which is mm-hmm. a new way really, is the invoice solution that we provide. So they come in, give us all the details we need for, let's, let's say like they're doing business with... <laughs> no, no. Continue oh. answering the question. Anyways, yeah, let's say they're doing a business with a... Boohoo, for example, they give us all the contracts and everything uh, legally that, that they signed, all that kind of stuff. We verify everything and then we pay out 90 to 95% of their invoice the very next day um, instead of them waiting for the you know the normal 60 days or 90 days uh, to get payments. Okay, okay. I'm getting progressively worse with this game. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're thinking a bit too much about how you're going to commence with those jumps. <laughs> that is having an impact on Yeah, it. yeah, I think that's what it is. <laughs> Definitely. Well, maybe it's the other way around. Maybe maybe try slowing down the speech. <laughs> oh, uh, <laughs> actually, yeah, it's true. I'm going to try that. I'm going to try that. <laughs> so, so far, so the last round, you got two points for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the first question, you got two points for that one as well. So, in total, you so far have four points. Um, that is one more question here. Um, so let's try and beat that 280. So you have to try and get past um, 36 seconds if you want to get three points. Okay, cool. What are the key things that agencies you work with love about XPO? I think the key things agencies love about XPO, first of all, is that it's actually a free product um, for them. Um, so they, there's no cost, uh, there's no cost to their margins at all. Um, on that end also it actually helps with the content creators that they work with because content creators want to work with them more because they get paid quicker so those are actually the key things for them um on that side it's free product and allows content creators to work with them more and trusting them more to be honest for more i'm just i'm killing it (laughs) (laughs) i was so engrossed in the game (laughs) i could see that um so yeah feel free to finish answering the question so two major things that they like about us. First of all, is that it's, it's a free prep for the agencies. We don't actually affect their margins at all. They pass the cost out to the content creators that they work with as well. So that actually better cash flow for them. And then the second thing they love about it is that it actually um, improves the stickiness of the agency with their talent that they work with because it's now a benefit that they can brag about essentially and be like, hey, if you sign on the our agency, we pay the next day, uh, essentially on that end. So um, these are the two things agencies love about. Okay, okay. Wow, that's fantastic, man. Well, massive congrats on that, like, you really did smash it on that last question. I definitely saw that was there. <laughs> A huge boost in, in confidence after those first two rounds. Yeah. You got four points for that one. So that takes you to a total of eight points for the entire round. So, Latano, we're on to our next segment. And this segment is all about the movement in which you support. It's about sharing your passions and what things 
would you say that have helped shape you as a person and what advice can you give to other people to help encourage and influence them but most importantly where you want to see change um i think something i'm really passionate about sport myself so that that's a, that's a big thing for me so um i was the national sprinter for england uh, before i started uh, my startup uh, to be honest and mm-hmm. i think the key things they actually taught me which i've brought into the business world is kind of resilience right um i've kind of always been the person well, i would i've always liked single player sports just because it's very easy to attribute loss and wins um like i always say in a football team if you know if someone like, if the team loses you can always be like oh this person's forward because this and that blah blah but as a sprinter it's kind of like if i don't run my personal best um that's all down to me i can't go and blame anyone else essentially and if i win it's also all down to me as well um on that end um mm-hmm. but there are times when you reach this mental block as a sprinter where you can't get past a certain time so for example um like let's say you want to run 21 seconds or something like that and you just kept running 2103 essentially 2103 or 2101 and you just can't break that 21 second barrier um essentially essentially it kind of taught me to how I translate that from from for sprinting and sports to business it's kind of like you really want to land this deal essentially and you keep trying and trying to open doors and open doors and it's just not happening essentially sometimes you need to take a step back and then look at okay cool what have I done so far what has been effective have i been as efficient as i could be essentially and what other ways or directions could i take this essentially to get to the same goal and that's the same thing with sprinting is like sometimes you have to stop running competition and look at your training and be like hey like what what is it watch my videos over and over again to be like what am i doing around the bend so i was on the sprinter So running around the bend was very crucial. What am I doing at the bend? Um, am I being as efficient? All that kind of stuff. So that's the kind of things that I've translated from sports to business. That's super interesting. That's such an interesting um, perspective on how to look at business um, because it's always trial and error. It's always that idea of you're making marginal gains, like cutting the, um, the lap by... A second or two or a few milliseconds if it's like 100 meters or something can make so much of a difference to how you then perform and like your acceleration from the get-go to when you lift your head and arch your body or straighten your body or raise the knees or something just simple things like that makes such a key difference in in changing the dynamics of how you sprint and therefore the result that you get um how long have you been sprinting for and and um is it something that you would look to get back into? Oh yes, 100%. Um definitely getting back into um I think it's it's mm-hmm. more more of a psychological thing um than the physical essentially. So I've been sprinting since 2016 2015. Mm-hmm. Um I would say yeah. so I started off when I was in college um kind of When I first started off I just wanted to you know when the gun goes you just think yeah run as fast as you can essentially yeah. um and as as time goes on and the more training you realize a lot mm-hmm. of the things it's very very psychological and yeah. there's definitely different steps um yeah. in a race and um, So Latana you're on to your second challenge it's the presentation round Well you'll have to pitch 
a new startup idea that I've made. I've okay. put together, carefully crafted, which will present the problem, the solution, and the business model, all within a few slides. Um, now, you haven't seen any of these slides, so this is a test of your improv skills. I hope you're ready. <laughs> You'll be able to earn up to a maximum of 15 points, so yeah, out of five for your confidence, how believable it is, and how well you answer any of my questions I may throw at you. Okay. And for all the listeners, you can find the visual slides on my website at kurthenderson.com slash podcast. So, Latana, are you ready to take the stage? Um, thanks, Latana, um, for coming on to uh, Startup Presents and sharing your startup idea with us. We're really excited to see what you have. So, ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together for Latana. Um, hey guys, I'm Latana, I'm the founder of Petcare. Um, as you can see, uh, Petcare is keeping the ones you love safe, specifically. Um, next slide, please. So there's actually a huge problem in the pet care industry on that end. Um, the first one being the cost, right? It's very expensive to hire, you know, dog keepers or nannies to look after um, the kids in their age. Um, I think the second one is definitely down to devotion um, on the end. So nannies are often distracted uh, by social media or forget about the young, wonderful kids they've hired to, they've been hired to look after. And also it's really not flexible to extremely rigid um, in terms of uh, timings and also nannies that, you know, essentially work with different families. So it can be hard to find and trust nannies who are not already booked up with other families. So what tends to happen is that when a nanny works with a sexual family, it tends to be a long-term thing. Um, and therefore, once that, once that nanny's gone, actually, um, on that end, um, there's less supply of nannies for everyone else. So, uh, let's meet uh, just, oh, I can't see the name. Oh, yeah, let's meet Jocelyn. Um, so she actually was one of the, uh, she was fed up with chasing nannies, essentially, uh, on that end. And she actually eventually found one called Shuri, um, but Shuri often forgot to, you know, change nappies, feed the kids, tuck them in, into the bed. Um, and there's actually a quip from her. Um, I'm so tired of this, I come home and my kids are hungry, not fed and smelling up the place. I need to try something new. Um, and we personally believe that she's the perfect customer uh, for us. And this is where pet care comes in. Mm -hmm. So we have uh, solutions for the three problems that we talked about in the first half. Um, so we can actually stay safe. So keeping your kids safe, humans are dangerous. So of course, when we talk about kids here, we always talk about pets. You know, this is the human's best friend, right? The dogs and the cats. Um, saving money um, on that end. So, you know, why do you pay 12 pounds an hour when you can spend for less, spend for far less um, as animals don't demand huge wages, essentially, on that end. Um, and devotion-wise, uh, animals love humans, and we love them too. Um, a cat or dog will never forget kids as they, use, as they don't use social media. And in terms of how we look to build a technology up, uh, we're looking to build out a website and an app which will allow uh, parents to hire animals to look up their kids.
So in terms of how big is the market, right? So currently we're looking to take over the UK first before we expand um, internationally on that end. Um, this is the market that we know. Uh, there's currently approximately 100,000 nannies here in the UK. Um, and on average being spent per hour, about £720,000. Um, every single day, there's a 2,000 newborns on that end. So therefore, there's not actually enough uh, supply um, to match the demand here, essentially. So there's not enough money to go around. Wow. And how many animals are there, therefore, to uh, help take over these jobs um, if there aren't enough nannies? Um, so there's definitely even more than um, the nannies. <laughs> so there's definitely more animals than there are nannies um, on that end. And the great thing about mm. animals on that end is that you can always build the supply in terms of breeding uh, through there. And what's actually great, you know, that's different between nannies and, and pets like dogs and cats is that each, let's say, dog breed has their own tendencies. Um, so you can actually breed the right dog for taking off your kid, which would be amazing, which you can't really do with human beings. Mm, so interesting. So uh, how it works, it's uh, very simple on the app. Uh, you log in, um, you see the different types of dog breeds, you know, either cats, um, it could be some hamsters or parrot, for example. Um, you choose which one you want. Through there, um, we actually able to use uh, the feedback that a lot of the dogs or pets have already had already uh, to match with your needs. So what we do is, is something called <laughs> it's something called machine learning, where we use specific technology called clustering, uh, essentially, uh, where we look at the ratings of these different pets and how that has connected to your wants and needs in terms of what you picked um, at the beginning. After you've done that, you can book them uh, directly through there and they actually come to your doorstep so you actually never need to leave your house. Wow. So it's kind of like an Uber for, for pet nannies, right? Exactly. Animal nannies. Exactly. You can talk that way, yeah. It's fantastic. <laughs> okay. So we have a complete wide, wide selection of uh, pets to choose from. Um, I guess you can't, you can't really say that for nannies, can you, to be honest? So we have obviously dogs, cats, rabbits, uh, raccoons, and goats. And within each type of pet, there's actually multiple different breeds uh, which you can choose from. So the choice and the supply side is crazy huge uh, compared to you know, nannies on there and, you know, Humans are very, very boring uh, through there. And then again, to put forward this is humans, like uh, we said before, tend to be on social media, on the phones all the time, to get distracted uh, through, through there. Mm -hmm. Dogs, cats, rabbits, they don't have that mm -hmm. issue at all. There's no real distractions uh, for them through there. And their, ten their love tends to be, you know, uh, eternal relationships. That's so interesting. And is it just those five animals or are there more breeds that you're looking oh, yeah, to work yeah. with? Yeah, there's definitely way more that we can look at to work with. Um, these are just the five main that get booked all the time, essentially. Um, so we have uh, uh, Philip uh, Pug on, on that end. So he gets a lot of bookings uh, through us. He's actually overbooked uh, through there at the moment. So we're looking to actually get more breeds of pugs um, coming in because we've seen that that's a favorite here in the UK. 
<laughs> interesting, super interesting. So um, how do we make money, right? Um, it's, it's a business at the end of the day. Um, so by you know, reducing spending on nannies, we're able to substitute that with animals actually. So there's one-off payments on booking um, for that five. So, and, for this two, and then five pounds per booking um, <laughs> when <paying the> food <laughs> on the end. So we can do commission-based. Um, so every time you book, um, uh, let's say, Philip the Pugs, for example, um, we charge a 10 to 15% uh, transaction fee um, per transaction. However, um, if you actually pay with food uh, through there, um, we can actually decrease the amount of uh, commission that we take on that end. But there is a, a floor of uh, pricing of five pounds per booking that we charge. Um, we look at Vision-wise, in the next two years, we can definitely hit um, a million uh, in monthly uh, <laughs> recurring revenue um, on that end. <laughs> wow, that's quite ambitious. How do you, how do you look to get there? Like, um, what is the steps to get into that? At one million, how did you yeah. come up with that number? It's quite ambitious. Yeah. So you know, uh, one million. Uh, yeah, one million per month. Yeah, that's that's. that's that seems ambitious, um, but I'd say we have a lot of numbers to go into this. So, um, in the previous slide, we told you, you know, 2,000 uh, babies born every single day. So, we actually looked to partner with hospitals um, that deal with a lot, um, well, basically the oh, NHS wow. in general. We looked to partner with them. And so, we have a letter of intent um, yeah. with them um, at the moment and contracts due to be signed. Um, this makes the acquisition of actually the demand side much easier for us. So like we said, you know, there's 2,000 babies born um, every single day. Um, let's times that out by 30. Um, we have 60,000 babies every every uh, every month, potentially. And let's say we penetrate 10%, so that's 6,000 uh, babies we have there. Um, and all we we'll really need um, on that end is <laughs> the math has left my head. <laughs> Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so all we really, really need essentially is penetration attempts in the market. We must basically need, like, I think it was 166, um, 166 something we would need to reach that a million uh, MRR. Essentially. <laughs> mm. <laughs> wow. Oh, that's, well, I guess, like, that's a good explanation. Um, very sold in that, um, Latana. I feel like um, you've definitely worked your numbers well there. Um, tell me about like what your customers have been saying about, about um, pet care. Yeah, so we've had crazy, crazy reviews. They're like we've had people saying it's fucking brilliant. Um, uh, next slide, uh, next please. Um, a lot of people said that the animals have finally arrived, did the jobs humans did it. Um, and finally, um, one person I remember specifically, like they left their one year old with a raccoon, and was fed well, a raccoon used all the ingredients I left him and the fridge, and it was an excellent uh, cook uh, too. Um, and so that was, that was pretty, pretty amazing um, on the end for, for our side. Wow. So good. Man. So it seems like these, like for instance, from um, Nala, um, who left her son with that raccoon. Yeah. Um, it seems like these raccoons are very trustworthy around kids. Yeah. Um, now, I've, I've done my own research here, Latana, because, mm. you know, 
I'm, I'm a VC, and I've looked into raccoons and their behavioural um, patterns, and they, they are quite hungry animals. So mm -hmm. was there any proof that the raccoon actually fed the kids or ate the food itself? Because it said that, I mean, Nala said in her, in her quote that it, it finished up all the ingredients in the fridge. So mm. is that an indication that it used all the ingredients in the fridge in the meal or it consumed them itself? No, I think uh, the raccoon definitely used all the ingredients in the food. Um, actually, we have this exclusive partnership with Cook Rapper, um, and we actually <laughs> like to educate um, our pets essentially on how to use ingredients uh, essentially on that end properly um, in the way they were meant to be used uh, through there. So uh, the raccoon, before they actually get onboarded onto our platform, they have to go through at least like one month with Cook Rapper um, to learn, see, you know, for example, let's say. You know, I think Nala specifically, she was um, Indian herself, um, and the raccoon had to basically mm -hmm. learn um, a complete course on how to, you know, cook the, the Indian curry properly uh, with ingredients that was meant to be used, and, that, and I think that's why the raccoon used all the ingredients in the kitchen. Wow, that is some seriously well-trained raccoon. Well, congrats on. on Congrats on that, and I'll definitely check out that cook rasa you mentioned. Yeah. Um, and yeah, how much are you raising? Um, so as of right now, uh, we're raising £272,000 at the moment. Um, we've already raised 150 so far. So you may think to yourself, you know, 272 um, why that, um, essentially, on the end. Um, for us, £72,000 of that is actually going to be uh, used as a freebies essentially to buy uh, our pets essentially like you know uh, um, their toys and all that kind of stuff to keep them entertained um, because I guess the toys is kind of like their social media essentially they need to cool off um, at some point they don't, they don't want overwork the pets um, at all so the £200,000 um, of that is for you to actually grow our en engineering team make sure the app and the web platform is, is done properly um, and then I think about twenty-five thousand pounds of that, twenty-five to fifty thousand pounds of that, um, is actually to um, educate um, our pets uh, through that. In terms of cooking, is actually a very big part um, of their um, nannying, essentially. Nannying. So we, we have to pay about twenty-five to fifty local brats on that, and to help us um, to, um, educate them through there. Right now, uh, um, we have interest from Sequoia. Um, they're looking to give us about uh, 500 million um, on that end, which we think is too much on that end, but I think they really see a big opportunity. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of competition at the moment, so we want to see, you know, first movers like around it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, Latana, that was an incredible pitch. Um, Thank you very much. yourself a clap on the shoulders <laughs> for that. <laughs> That was incredible. <laughs> to say in all honesty, I'm more than happy to give you all the points, the total um, 15 points there um, that you deserve because that was <laughs> that was incredible. Um, I don't think I could have done that any better, personally. <laughs> oh, <dude. laughs> So, for our third challenge, you're going to have to perform a mm -hmm. fake ad. As you know, we don't have a sponsor yet. 
these concept ideas were inspired by the parody Twitter account, Bored Elon Musk. <laughs> and then I've basically turned them into advert scripts. Um, so you'll be awarded two points based on your effort. And here is the tweet you'll be reading out today. A doorbell, only audible to humans. So your dog doesn't freak out every time a package gets delivered. <laughs> so, good luck. <laughs> and now, just to hear from one of our sponsors. Introducing Bark Lobel by BEM. Say goodbye to your dog barking up the wrong doorbell. Why? Because they can't hear it. But you can. Terms and conditions apply. So, Latana, we are on to our fourth and final round. Is it wrong or is it right? You'll simply have to guess three true or false questions mm-hmm. with the opportunity to earn a maximum of six points. That's two points per question. Are you feeling ready? Yeah. So, for our first question, Chad Hurley is the founder of Vimeo. True or false? False. You're correct. Chad Hurley is the co-founder of YouTube. Second one. Evan Spiegel's Snapchat was inspired by sexting. True or false? Uh, I'm going to say true. Absolutely right. The idea of Snapchat was reportedly spurred on by a conversation among fraternity brothers about sexting. That is, spending, sending explicit messages and photos. Naughty. <laughs> and the last one that we have is Charlie D'Amelio is the most followed account on Instagram. True or false? Absolutely correct. She's actually the most followed account on TikTok with over a hundred million followers. Um, crazy. Crazy, right? <laughs> <laughs> it just goes to show you the power of these influences when you have that many people following you. That's yeah, 100%. Yeah. It's literally the total of Canada and the UK put together. Um, yeah, literally, yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> so, Latana. Congratulations on that round. You got a full six points, two points for each answer. And just to wrap it up, um, for each round, so in the first round in the multitasking T-Rex running game, you scored eight points. Mm -hmm. For the presentation, you scored a full whopping 15 points. For the Elon Musk advert, um, you scored two points. And finally, for (laughs) the true or false game, you scored a whopping six points. So that takes you to a total of 31 points, which puts you in the lead of the Hoka Podcast, the Black Founder Series. So congratulations. <laughs> Thank you very much. Just before we close up, it would be great if you could leave some tips and advice for our listeners that you wish you knew when you were younger and that could be in your business or personal life. What did you wish you knew? And what would you have done to change that? 
I would say uh, the key thing I always say, just keep on iterating and talking to your customers. I think as a founder of a company, it's always good for you directly, even if you've raised funding, um, to do the customer mm-hmm. service on that end, um, just because you really get to see the true pain point um, of your customer. And if I didn't do that myself personally, you'd have, you would have been still trying to do a marketplace, essentially, um, on that end. Um, so yeah, I think that'd be the key thing, I would say. Wow, Latana, thank you so much for leaving such an incredible message for our listeners and we thank you for being on the Hoka podcast the Black Founders series we look forward to following your journey